episode of Murder, Myth, and Mystery. I am one of your hosts, Mary, and I'm joined with... Who am I going to say? Who am I going to say? <laughs> Eric. Yes! <gasps> and Sarah. Save the best for last. <sighs> Very true. Damn it. <laughs> boom. Hi, guys. Hi. Do you know that boom is an onomatopoeia? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> now you know. Now you I know. do. I was learning all about onomatopoeias the other day. I'm, I'm like, I know what that onomatopoeia is a theme, but I yeah. couldn't remember what it is. And it's basically a word that describes yeah. what it is. Uh, yeah. Like, wow, like, uh, you know, zap, bang, yeah. whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My kid says boom, boom all the time. He throws something on the ground and goes boom, boom. Onomatopoeias. Yeah. Yep. Plus, it's just fun to say onomatopoeia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you have that one. All right. Oh, oh, Sorry, wow. I was drinking. <laughs> what you else? Guys, is yeah, I'm bummed. Oh no! Oh no! What happened, Mary? Halloween month is over. Oh, oh. no! I know. Feel bad for me. It's sad. We're it now moving sad. into the dead season now. Um, I know. <laughs> if only there was another holiday or two or three or four coming up. God. Um, actually, though. I, Although I am bummed, I do hope that you all had a happy Halloween, a blessed Samhain, and a Feliz Dia de los Muertos. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I feel like any time. <laughs> and for the record, when we go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant, I do that too. Oh, yeah. She does it all the time. I do, uh, I do too. It's fabulous. pretty bad. And, and it's borderline racist, but it's not really. So I'm okay with that. If it's in a Lego movie, I think it makes it okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are rules to live by. Yeah. 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 It's safe. All right. If it's in the Lego movie, it's A-OK. <laughs> okay. And my character in the Lego movie is Unikitty. Unikitty. Oh, my God. I was going to say she's the best. I love. Thanks. I do love Lego Kitty, but I like uh, the. It's Unikitty. Or what did I call her? Lego, Lego Kitty. Kitty. Whatever. Yeah. Dumb whore. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but come on, the pirate guy is awesome. Dwight, you ignorant oh, slut. My God. <laughs> so good. Uh, and of course, Lego Batman. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The best. <laughs> Listen to I this like dog's ha- bark. Oh, yeah. So good. I seriously love that movie. It's... And Taco Tuesdays. Oh, well, duh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boom. The crackle. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to thank everybody who participated in the costume contest. <gasps> yeah. Holy crap, we had some so incredible many costumes. So, you guys, we had some amazing costumes. Unfortunately, a lot of people forgot to put a little sign in there that said cows 2018. Mm-hmm. So that was one of our requirements for the contest. So we couldn't actually like make you win. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, there thank was you some for sharing really good. Those. But thank you for sharing. Yeah. We were just bummed that everybody didn't get those in there. We just had to have that as a criteria. We did have a number of them that did though. And yep. we did. Yeah. Some and we really actually had ones. some really awesome ones. So we want to announce our winner. Drum roll, please. Uh, I don't have anything to drum roll on yes. here. Woo! All right, our winner is Wayman. Wayman Shabby wins. Yes. Congratulations. And Holy crap. So good, you guys. If yeah. you haven't seen the costume, you need to get on that post and check it out. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. Inc- oh, yeah. Anybody who, uh, you know, is a fan of 90s 
monster metal, <laughs> so whatever good. you want to call call it, guar. Yeah. Uh, it, it, his costume is super impressive. And he not only posted, he didn't post it as a, a photo. As a video. He posted a freaking video. You got some live action. Yeah, yeah. And he's holding his guitar and he's got a little <laughs> mini amp strapped to his side. <laughs> and he's rocking some guar in the video, dressed yeah. as one of the guys from guar. It's real good. Oh. Eric was really impressed. I didn't watch the video. It looked a little too death metal for me. It's Guar? <laughs> is incredible okay yeah, guar is kidding. something special <laughs> come on their concerts are filled with blood all over the audience oh and eating slaves and everything else it's, yeah it, it, there's something special and uh yeah, yeah it, it's so and good. he yeah, at first married i think he did a sign but he did he wrote it on his hand yeah <laughs> he wrote in pen or you know the sharpie or and whatever he, like, showed it to the camera yeah it was like That's the first fine, thing yeah but when i saw the thing all i saw is i didn't do a oh, sign oh yeah yeah like, yeah i didn't see that he had done the video right, thing the, because i didn't watch the video right right yeah that's yeah he does it on his hand and, and then he just goes into full-on metal guitar and he just killed it and like there's so many comments next to it too. everybody's like man i don't know why even try yeah. he just killed it now so good sorry about the noise peaches is yelling at a toy she's in a teepee yelling at a toy yeah she's got a ball back there yeah just ignore her like she's just going at it so congratulations wayman Wayman, yes. great uh, job it was yeah. amazing we will uh, make sure to uh, get you your major award yeah. here shortly. Yep, so. it's swag. Yes, major award. I'll make sure to send you swag that you don't have since he's a patron. Yes, yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Again, though, that, that turned out really, really well. And we loved all of your costumes that you posted. Mm -hmm. You guys all look so freaking good. Your costumes turned out great. So thank you to everybody who participated in that. Um, and if you guys want to see Peaches attacking a toy in a teepee, that'll be on Snapchat uh. momentarily. So. <laughs> uh, speaking of patrons... Oh, yes, we do have new patrons. We have two new patrons. Two yes. new patrons. That's awesome. Yes. Oh so thank you, first of all, to Katie Midgley. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Yes. And to Jennifer Jones. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes, we love our friggin' patrons. You guys are helping keeping so this ball much love, rolling you guys. for us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are, I know I've said it a million times, but if you're thinking about becoming a patron, you can find the link to become a patron on our website at murdermythmystery.com. You'll see the link on that page. Plus, there's other fun stuff on the page there. Yeah, we have a merch yeah. store, we have a blog, we have uh, you know past episodes, and all sorts of fun stuff uh, going on the website there. So give it a yeah, try. Yeah, it's it a, a beautiful website. Yeah, so it turned out pretty give well. Give it some love. Give it some love. But, give it uh, some love, baby. Yeah, and oh, another quick thing. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to. To all of the people who responded to my call to arms uh, yes, that, that we spreading sent out, the word. spreading the word out there. So yeah, <laughs> that turned out awesome. We've had a lot of people sharing uh, the the sharing the word of the murder myth and mystery around the, the interwebs. We appreciate yes, you guys. So Thank you. Those people are Emily. Bryce, Sarah, Maureen, thank you for sharing on Facebook. Thank you, guys. On Instagram, Grace, Just Jane, and a shout out to Tori, who was representing by wearing her Ask Me About My Cult pin. Yeah. And um, IG user Sweet Electric Wear, which I believe is Miriam. And if you want some really cool, like, Bernie Man 
rave looking outfits check out that instagram sounds cool um and jessica a shelbyville bartender who tells her customers about our podcast um she also agrees with me if you haven't tried an egg white cocktail you need to which we are currently enjoying a patron cocktail werewolf their wolf right now oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> it really is i was laughing earlier about sarah and her pronunciations um, <laughs> and one more instagram shout out to Lindsay, uh who says she preaches the gospel of murder myth and mystery to all her friends and co-workers and to everyone else who's been sharing we just want to say again thank you so much we greatly appreciate it leave those reviews um share away yeah thank you so much we yes. would be nowhere without you guys absolutely so thank you thank you thank you okay peaches has got her boss so let's go into murder <laughs> all right that would be me nice transition i like it okay <laughs> all right so today i'm going to talk about the murder of sadie hartley so sadie hartley or her maiden name was cook was a 60-year-old divorcee mother of two and a great businesswoman. She was described by those who loved her as warm, loving, caring, and an unassuming woman with a great sense of humor. She was born in 1955 and raised in northern England. Sadie attended Brighton Polytechnic University and graduated with a degree in microbiology and biochemistry. After graduation, she got a job at Janssen, a pharmaceutical company of Johnson & Johnson, where she excelled and climbed the corporate ladder quickly while doing work manufacturing hematology medications for children with leukemia and lymphoma. Wow. Yeah, she was a smart, smart, smart lady. Yeah. I said that three times. That's, Th- that's how smart that's she how was. That's how smart she was. That's yeah. really She's smart. really Holy smart. Crap. So it was at this time that she met Gary Hartley, And the two were married in 1981. They were married for 10 years before they had their first child, Harry, in 1991, and a year later when they had their daughter, Charlotte. While raising her children, Sadie also co-founded Hartley Taylor Medical Communications with her friend and business partner, Julie Taylor, in June of 2000. Although her professional life was extremely successful, Sadie's love life was not. And she divorced Gary a few years after becoming director of Hartley Taylor Medical Communications. In 2002, Sadie met 40-year-old firefighter. And who doesn't like a firefighter? Am I right? (laughs) She met 40-year-old firefighter Ian Johnston at a work function, and the two began a very casual romantic relationship. Real quick, did I say that like, ooh, hot? Or did I say it more like... The monster from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Are you making yummy noises? <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry. Either works really. Yeah, for real, so, really. Either one's like, good. Both are correct answers. So over the next eight years, Sadie focused most of her time and energy on her hectic work life and her family, but still managed to embark on a new chapter of her love life with Ian. Although the relationship remained casual during these years due to the busy schedules of both parties. Only after Ian retired in 2010 did the relationship progress and become more serious. And in 2014, the couple finally made a huge leap and moved in together in a four-bedroom home in Helmshore, England. Things seemed to be going very well for the couple, but that wouldn't last long. 
On the evening of January 7th, 2016, Sadie answered her door to a woman in her 50s. The stranger handed her a bouquet of flowers and said, Mrs. Hartley, these are for you. Sadie was confused and asked the woman who them who they were from. <laughs> who them from? <laughs> who them from? <laughs> Yo, this, who this? This is very educated woman. <laughs> who this? Why are you bringing me flowers? This <laughs> <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> took a really dumb turn. All right. It's so, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That was all us. Don't worry. <laughs> so um, the woman told her she couldn't remember who they were from and walked away. Sadie was unsettled by the situation and immediately texted Ian to see if he had sent the flowers. He said he had no idea who the flowers were from, which left Sadie feeling even more unsettled, especially since her home had been broken into just a few months earlier, and she was worried that the mysterious flowers might somehow be linked to the theft in some way. Sadie was home alone at 8 p.m. a week later on January 14th, and her doorbell rang yet again but this time it wasn't flowers. Upon opening the door, Sadie was lunged at by an individual armed with a 500,000 volt stun gun. Wow. The attacker caught Sadie in the left cheek with the stun gun, which shocked her and left her temporarily debilitated and completely vulnerable in the front hallway of her home. The perpetrator then continued the assault with a kitchen knife they had brought with them. Sadie was stabbed more than 40 times through the face and the neck. Due to the severity of her wounds and the viciousness of the attack, Sadie died almost immediately, Uh. and the culprit fled the scene on foot. Wow. Right? I mean, damn. Yeah. Like, it kind of knocks you back. This is why you don't answer doors. Mary never answers her door. I don't. I don't. I even have a glass window that I'll peek out, but I don't answer the door for anybody. Well, first, I can't see out the peephole. <laughs> it's, it's a little too tall for Mary. It, it is. Yeah. And by the time, like, I get my little step stool and everything to look out, like, they can hear they're me. They're gone. You're, yeah. Or they're gone, right? But, uh, no, we, we have security things that tell us who's Oh, which is so smart, though. Like, yeah. I want to get one of the security doorbell uh-huh. videos, video cameras like you guys have. Yeah. But it's, like... It's just so sad. Like, the fact yeah. that, I don't know. You like, can't trust strangers. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway. Okay. So, the next day, when Sadie did not show up for work, concerned colleagues and friends notified the authorities of their concerns. Around 10.40 p.m. on January 15th, so this is the day after, police went to Sadie and Ian's home, and upon entering the home, found the tragic and horrific scene of Sadie's lifeless body in the front hallway. Naturally, the news of their mother's death devastated Sadie's two children, and no one could understand why anyone would want to hurt Sadie, and the police immediately launched a huge murder investigation into the violent crime. Statistically, in murder cases where the victim is a middle-aged female, 50% of the perpetrators are either the partner-slash-spouse or the ex-partner-slash-ex-spouse. Which begs the question, where the hell was Ian through all of this? I was going to say, yeah. So, I mean, this is a full day later. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been going on a week. Like, what the hell? So, (laughs) she's looking like... 
So yeah, it, Sarah, quit licking Mary's foot. I'm Jeez. sorry, you're the one who put my mic by your feet. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> so you know, where's Ian, and did he have anything to do with the murder? Right. So Ian was immediately a person of interest in the case. Well, duh. However, yeah. he was located on January 16th, and it was found that he had been away on a ski holiday in the Swiss Alps that since January 5th. Sadie was supposed to have joined him there that very day. His presence in Switzerland eliminated Ian for being physically responsible for Sadie's death, at least. But police were hopeful that he might be able to shed some light on who would feel so strongly about Sadie as to end her life in such a brutal way. Ian openly admitted to police that he had been unfaithful to Sadie a while back with a woman named Sarah Williams. While not completely off the hook yet, Ian was allowed to go home and grieve, and police turned their attention to Sarah. Sarah was born in 1981 and raised in Beddington, England. Growing up, Sarah was an only child and had a love of riding horses. Now, can I just throw in the disclaimer? This is not me, guys. <laughs> I'm like, this is sounding like somebody we know. Yeah, the people who's listened to Enough About You, my other podcast, yeah, no. Sarah, they're putting these pieces together. I was not born in 1981. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so you say. Uh-huh. Show oh. us the birth certificate. Fine. <laughs> yeah, no, and her name's spelled with an H. Oh. So, sure. Maybe proof in the pudding. Maybe you came over here and took the H off. Oh, yeah, people <gasps> can change their name. Again, show us the birth certificate. Love of horses. I got it. Sarah with an H. <laughs> I was like reading through this. I'm like, God damn it. It kind of sounds like me. Up until like it, it ends very quickly. She's got so. long blonde hair. And, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no. No. So, at the age of 13, Sarah reported that she had been involved in a kidnapping and a brutal sexual assault when she was picked up on the side of the road by a strange man. She was found miles away from where she claimed to have been earlier that day, found wearing nothing but underwear and a vest, and claimed to remember very little about what happened to her. Due to the lack of physical evidence found in this matter... It was wondered by many, including Sarah's own parents, if the incident actually happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. You've got to have a, uh, what do you want to say? A vivid imagination? I don't know. You've got to have a bit of a reputation, I guess. Yeah. If your parents are doubting that you were actually raped. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that, like, they were really like, did she do this for attention? Or the other weird thing thing she threw in there she claimed that she was thrown into the quote-unquote boot or the trunk of the car i just like calling it the boot the boot Mm -hmm. right it's rad Uh and then she claimed that there was a baby in the back of the car in a car seat so her story never like was consistent the, yeah the story was just like i just thought that was super strange but well, yeah I mean, I mean, as far as consistent it might be but, she, but she's saying that they but how would she know about the baby right yeah okay but i, I mean saying, yeah. there was just there was no physical evidence there was no bruising on her body there was nothing that indicated assault assault right okay so you know and again it they were taking her word for it but that supposedly happened to her when she was 13 so At the age of 17, Sarah became involved with a man named David Hardwick, a wealthy married man who was 40 years her senior. Wow. 40? So if you haven't done the math, that makes him 57. Uh Uh-huh. Gross. And she's 17. Gross. Gross. 
Ew. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. So David lavished Sarah with expensive gifts, money, and expensive vacations. He also gave her a weekly allowance of 300 pounds, as well as a 75,000 pound down payment for a home in Chester, England. Okay, this is starting to sound more and more, not like a relationship, but as a sugar daddy. Oh, oh that's I was funny. Say more and more like Sarah again. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Oh, hell no. I only went for really good looking 40 year olds, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny that you say that about the sugar daddy because that's what I refer to him as for the rest of the oh, story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so even though David was a married man, this relationship continued for over 17 years. Oh, 17? Yeah. Do the math. <laughs> it, yeah. So, yeah. Until she was 34. And so he's 74. Yeah. yeah. And the end of this story will let you know why the relationship doesn't progress. Oh. But um, so apparently Sarah enjoyed the company of people older than herself. And she also formed a close friendship with her horseback riding instructor, Katrina, also known as Kit Walsh, who was over 20 years her senior. Oh. So, I mean, that one's not quite as gross, but no. um, still kind of. She, well, how old was she when she started that relationship? So, I mean, at, like, honestly, this all happened in, like, 2016-ish, and she was about 32, 33 But I meant with the, with the horse. Yeah, but no, I mean, she would have been early 20s. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, but I mean, with a woman, that's a little different, whatever, yeah, so. Still. Apparently, Kit had divorced her husband of 24 years in 2008 and had become very codependent on Sarah through the process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Kit was a heavily tattooed woman who suffered from stress-related hair loss, enjoyed playing tarot cards, was in a biker group, and rode a Harley Davidson she called Raven, and she had a horse named Zephyr. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you play tarot. That's what it called. She enjoyed playing with tarot cards. Oh, play. Oh. Playing with tarot I'm like, cards. Is, Sorry. Is, is tarot now a thing like gin rummy or something? <laughs> yeah, Do you like, have any do you gin have cups? <laughs> Give me all your worlds. Do you have the empress? <laughs> Go fish. <laughs> Go tarot. So, and I mean, not that any of those things are good or bad, just to give you kind of yeah. paint a picture of Kit for you. So perhaps Kit was easily manipulated at this stage in her life, or maybe she just saw something in Sarah that would eventually lead the pair of them down a very dark path. Just before her 30th birthday, Sarah was driving on the M60 motorway in Manchester when she glanced across to the highly visible chill factor an indoor ski center and thought i fancy a new hobby i was trying to do british but i failed (laughs) (laughs) i tried oh my god that was wonderful i have to warm up to it but anyway i felt like i was watching downton abbey (laughs) oh my god thank you that's what i was going for Wow, it's a British accent. It's like the easiest accent to even pull off. I can't do it without off. warming up to it. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. I can usually do one of those in my sleep. So oh, anyway, gosh. anyway, anyway. Mm-hmm. So she took up skiing, guys. So she threw herself into the new pursuit and quickly became an accomplished skier. She spent so much time at the Chill Factor Ski Center that they eventually gave her a job as a sales advisor. Wow. Yeah. So, th- 
we don't have any of those in America, but I know they're really yeah. big in like, was it Japan? In Japan, they started yeah. in Japan, but I'll, I can post a picture too. But basically, it's this huge, it almost looks like a warehouse, yeah. but it's a ski hill. Yeah, they got a hill and they got the chairs uh-huh. to go and up or got, whatever else. And... They've got snow and they've got mogul. Like, basically, it's a it's an indoor ski slope. It's pretty amazing. I wonder how much fun it could be. I mean, the thing would have to be huge yeah. to make it worth your time. Right. And this one, the one, like, the pictures they showed of the chill factor, and maybe they had different rooms or something right but i mean it really looked like about god i would say maybe a hundred yards across yeah it was little yeah exactly i mean you get to the bottom in like you know 20 seconds or whatever you're like well that was a lot of fun Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) it just it like to me i was like boring right but apparently this is a pretty big thing over there people loved this hey all right yeah but so they offered her the job and she took it so over the years oh well this is a totally different side of that so she's doing the sale advising she's still dating her very old boyfriend sugar daddy ah Uh uh-huh and and her girlfriend and she's got the girlfriend. Okay. They're technically just friends, though. Oh. But over the years, right. Sarah had a habit of becoming involved with random married men, even though she was still seeing Sugar Daddy. And her pseudo-girlfriend. And her pseudo-girlfriend. Okay. So she had an, a tendency to become infatuated with these men. She also had a nasty little habit of contacting the men's wives or partners when she became consumed by jealousy and obsession over her lovers. She's that chick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. She sounds like a goddamn nightmare. She, what is that? Single wife female? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, just super obsessive. and So Sarah would have her girlfriend, Kit. No, she's not. You know, anyway, she would have Kit hand deliver the letters to these men's wives in which she would describe their transgressions. She even went as far as claiming fake pre- pregnancies using an ultrasound of a friend's baby. Oh. Um, and one time in a mad rage, she slashed the tires of one man's car. Several of these relationships gone wrong ended with Sarah being issued restraining orders. <laughs> what? Weird. Well, just before Christmas in 2012, guess who Sarah met? Oh, boy. She met Ian. Yes, Sadie's Ian. Oh, yep. okay. Um, they met on the slopes of the chill factor. <laughs> chill, the chill factor. factor. It's such, <laughs> I think I've rolled my eyes every it's time. It's such no, a dumb right. name. But, um, it really is. <laughs> so terrible. The chill factor. But factor spelled with an E. F A C T E R. No, fact- it's F A C T O R E. Factor. Factor. It, it reminds me of something you would see, like, in Vegas on the strip. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. But no, even the picture of the place, like, it's so kitschy and, like, Vegas y. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. But that's that, that's saying something for, yeah. for, Lund- you know, for England. Yeah. They're not known for being yeah. flashy. Right. You know, so. It's just, it's so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But coming, you know, it's like we're spoiled with our mountains here. So this I should, is true. I should shut the hell up. They and, do have skiing in in yeah. England and Scotland, anyway, and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that can't yeah. imagine that would be. So anyway, Sarah too. met Ian, and it started out with casual conversation, and then the two exchanged phone numbers. What started as friendly text messages quickly turned into sexually explicit messages. 
Sarah was once again becoming infatuated with an older lover who was in a relationship with another woman. Ian soon became extremely uncomfortable with Sarah's intensity and ended the fling. I can't say I blame yeah, him. she freaked him out. Yeah. So. Sarah, being Sarah, did not take the news well and continued to pine and obsess over Ian. In September of 2014, she decided to send a letter to the significant other of someone she was obsessed with. The recipient this time would be Sadie. Right. Here are a couple excerpts from the actual letter. Dear Sadie, I think you should know that Ian has been cheating on you for over a year. He has been having an affair with me. Sarah then went on to explain the obvious lack of chemistry between Ian and Sadie. The fact that he doesn't love you is blatant for anyone to see, and it's obvious that he is only with you because you are buying his affection. Sarah claimed that Ian would take any opportunity, even when on holiday with Sadie, to sneak away and get in touch with her. She said, "'Despite doing everything you have done so far to buy and trap Ian,' It hasn't stopped him from cheating on you and sleeping with me behind your back. Maybe it is about time somebody told you. Probably. It just goes to show you can't buy and trap someone with money or blackmail. And you can't make them love you or be faithful to you. Should you choose to talk to him about this, bear in mind that this was not a one-off, an accident, or a mistake, or any other form of excuse. This was a choice made freely over and over and over for more than 12 months because it was what he wanted to do. Clearly, these are not the actions of someone with any respect, desire, love, or affection for you whatsoever. Should you wish to discuss anything here, you are free to contact me. Wow. Yeah. Well, guess what? Sadie did just that after receiving the letter. (laughs) (laughs) Good. She called Sarah, and though there were some raised voices, there was no shouting, and Sadie apparently said she would take the whole thing up with Ian and that Sarah needed to leave them the fuck alone. Right? You stay out of my marriage and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. But I just, like, ugh. Yeah. It's insane. So after that, Sadie and Ian's relationship continued as it had been, and Sarah, much to her displeasure, lost contact with Ian for a while. A year later, in September 2015, Sarah and Ian bumped into each other at a mutual friend's funeral, at which point the two began contacting each other again. Ugh, Ian! I know. Like, it makes me just want to slap him. It's like, dude. I I thought you were saying in. In, no. I'm like, in. 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 Out. Out. (laughs) The old in, out, in, out, eh? He needed the old in and out. In, out, in, out. Sometimes you just can't say no to a hot piece of ass. Uh, I I just looked up her her photo. Did you buy any kids? Yeah, I can say no. Did you look up Kit's photo? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. Uh, No, you are. It's okay. Oh, uh, that, that poor woman, my lord. Oh. 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 Yeah. Oh. 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 Yeah. I saw this person. <laughs> yeah, that's Kit. Oh. That's Kit? That's <laughs> Kit. <laughs> oh, the poor thing, because she had lost her hair, remember? She was saying that she lost she her hair. She had stress. <laughs> Mary, goddammit. Oh. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. 
I'm remembering the joke. Uh-huh. See? <laughs> She's turning red over here. I thought that was a dude. It looked like a guy. I thought her. it was like I thought it was the 80-year-old dude. I thought oh. it was the dude she was having an affair with. The only reason I'm laughing is because Mary's laughing and it's hilarious. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, okay, so like we got way point <laughs> that was amazing oh back on track yeah. all right <laughs> so after they met up at the friend's funeral they started contacting each other again and over the next few months the two began sending each other flirty and sexual text messages again and around christmas in 2015 they were talking about picking things up right where they had left them off so, is Sarah's jealousy towards Sadie a valid reason to murder someone? Well, the police sure thought so. Sarah was arrested at 3 a.m. on January 17th, 2016. Police believed Kit to be a possible accomplice to the crime, and she was also arrested the following day at the stable where she worked. Following their arrest, police began to collect what soon became a large amount of evidence against Sarah and Kit, and a trial date was set for the middle of the year. The trial began July 5th, 2016, and both women pled not guilty to the charges of murder. Sarah claimed she had gone home from work because she wasn't feeling well on the afternoon of Sadie's murder. She called her sugar daddy David on her way home, and she and he came over at four o'clock that day. And if you'll remember, Sadie was murdered around eight p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made her some tea and walked her dog, then left. She claims that she was in bed the whole time and had fallen asleep reading a book. She claimed she woke up at nine p.m. because her dog had gotten sick and she had to clean up the mess. And then she promptly fell back asleep. She said David came back around in the morning. And she was feeling better, so she went back to work the next day. However, police had traced both Kit and Sarah's phones over the weeks leading up to the murder, and both phones were placed at Sadie's home one week prior to her murder. You mean like the time when her house was broken into? Uh, no, the, but the flower delivery time. Oh, the yeah. flower. Okay. Yeah, her house was broken into months before that. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Okay. So um, at first they denied this. But then it was uncovered that they were, in fact, there. Weird, right? (laughs) So it had actually been Kit who delivered the flowers to Sadie, and they did this to identify her. And Sarah had been hiding in the bushes nearby. So that's why she was like, Sadie Hartley, here are your flowers. And, right. Yeah. Kind of a, uh, what do they call it, the, the people who deliver the, the court notices? Oh, getting served? Yeah, getting yeah, served. Much, yeah. 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 Where they ask the name yeah. first and you have to be yeah. like, yes. Yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah. you've been served. Right. Yeah. So as these details were uncovered, Kit claimed that she suffered from short-term memory loss and she couldn't remember anything from that time conveniently. Well, luckily for police... Kit liked to keep very detailed journals, and these journals were found when police searched her home. Oh, (laughs) This is why I don't keep a journal. (laughs) Right? So in these journals, Kit went into specific details about how she and Sarah were planning to kill Sadie. They had been planning the murder for close to 18 months. Wow. Yeah. So pretty much in the time, but like, 
right when Sarah met Ian. Yeah. Yeah. She pretty much started planning Sadie's murder. From that day, she's like, I'm just going to kill his wife. I'm going to just kill her and be done. So, you know, I consider myself a feminist. And yeah, yeah, you know, this bitch be crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, but I mean, this is the woman that gives women bad names. Yeah. Absolutely. Fair, like, this is that stereotype of that yeah. crazy bitch. Pretending pregnancy. Oh, just yeah. Calling other people's wives. She is like, seriously a walking, talking stereotype yep. is what she is. So back to Kit's journal. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. One entry read, and I quote, wow, I may be instrumental in helping to remove this awful woman. Wow. This may happen. I am unexpectedly excited by this. I was so excited about this tonight that I needed a southern comfort to wind down. I have no moral qualms with this. Just a serious, don't let us get caught twinge. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So in November of 2015, Sarah placed a GPS tracker on Ian's car. And by December... They had located exactly where he was living. So pretty much when she ran into him at the funeral, she put a GPS tracker on his car. Holy oh, And started shit. tracking him. What? Yeah. So also in December, Kit and Sarah traveled to Germany to purchase the stun gun. In Kit's diary, she wrote something to the effect of, hey, at least I get a free trip to Germany out of this. <laughs> Oh, my God. They had to go all the way to Germany to get a stun gun? Which I'm not sure. I mean, the fact that it was a 500,000 volt stun gun. That's true, but still. Or maybe they just thought like, oh, let's not. I don't know. Maybe it was to not get traced. We're going to get a stun gun. I hear you can get them in Germany. All right. I I mean, I know that firearms are illegal in in Britain, but. I'm not up to my codes on stun guns. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have no idea. I mean, if you have the time off, you might as well take a nice little. You might as well. A little, little holiday. At least you can get a free trip out of Germany while you're this, planning see? a murder, right? There you go. Nice little jaunt over to Berlin or maybe to Munich or something. Yeah. It's so disturbing. Hamburg. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So on January 5th, 2016, Sarah was captured on CCTV purchasing the carving knife used in the murder at a local kitchen supply shop. Never buy local. No, no. No, this is where it gets... Never buy local. For your murders. Oh, oh no, my. you guys, this is where it gets really good because, mind you, she used her frequent buyer's card for ah. the store on the purchase so she could get her reward points on it. You gotta get the points. Yeah. This also <laughs> made it so the purchase could be traced directly back to her. Oh, Got the cash. <laughs> I think she actually did use cash, but because she used the card, the card oh, gotcha. yep. it was completely traceable back to her. <laughs> so on January 7th, 2016, CCTV also captured footage of Sarah and Kit buying a huge bouquet of chrysanthemums. Immediately after, they walked to Sadie's home, where Kit knocked on the door and handed the flowers to Sadie, while Sarah hid in the bushes and identified her intended victim. On the day of the murder, the women... Women... The... (laughs) 
you guys it's that drink mary fed me <laughs> Woo! I'm so sorry the only thing that's not alcohol in that drink was the egg white <laughs> right i know and it's not holding up very well so <laughs> i don't know why that i got tripped up on the word women so on the day of the murder the women bought a used car hold on especially since you nailed chrysanthemum <laughs> right which is an awkward word to say <laughs> chrysanthemum but women women <laughs> yeah it just tripped me up i don't know why anyway they bought Chrysanth a women yeah they bought a used car and they attempted to alter the license plate using black tape <laughs> i just i feel like this is like you know when criminal like criminals doing dumb things yeah. like one after the other after the other so they only attempted to alter one letter that's all you gotta do but the police had no trouble finding the car since it was just one digit <laughs> so that was easily traced um on the same day on the day of the murder sarah also purchased some clothes and boots to wear during the attack at a store near sadie's home <sighs> as the trial unfolded more and more details came out about the crime this gets really sad so sadie sustained 51 injuries from her attack this included 24 stab wounds 17 slash wounds injuries to sadie's hands legs back and spinal cord one of the stab wounds to her face penetrated over eight inches and went from one side of sadie's face to the other oh my oh god like it's so sad That's... and brutal. Like I'm sorry. Yeah, there was a lot of hate. There was so much hate behind that. Yeah, that's just pure rage at that point. That's... Yeah. So Jeez. Sadie also had many dis- defensive wounds mm-hmm. that showed she had fought for her life even after being stunned by the 500,000 volts of energy. Damn. It's just. Ugh. So the final nail in the coffin for Sarah was when police found a drop of Sadie's blood in the bathroom sink of her home. Mm. She had absolutely no way to explain how it got there. <laughs> That's but, when you go, but, but, well, fuck. All I'm right. done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, Kit led police to the murder weapons, the knife and the stun gun, which she had hidden in a field at the stable that she worked at. Uh. Don't just hide them. You got to dispose of that yeah, shit. She buried them. In a little hole and buried them, yeah. So on August 17th, 2016, after a six-week trial, the jury deliberated for six hours and unanimously found both Sarah and Kit guilty. It was said that neither of the women showed even the slightest bit of remorse for what they had done. Wow. Kit was sentenced to a minimum of 25 years in prison, and Sarah was sentenced to a minimum of 30 years in prison. As for Ian... He lost contact with Sadie's family after her death. Perhaps it was because they still partially blamed him for what happened to her. He says he misses Sadie more than you could ever believe, but doesn't feel that his part in this whole thing holds him culpable or responsible in any way for her death. He doesn't feel that a couple of text messages equals responsibility for that. Or, so. you know, having a having a a fair affair. So I thought that was a little shitty of him. Well, now, I mean, I get where he's coming yeah. from as far as that. I mean, he didn't ask her to kill his but, wife. But I mean, or that's whatever, exactly you know? it. And he 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 went away from her, and then he did start texting her again. But it's not like he ever had any inkling that by texting this I, woman, she was going to come and kill his. Significant I totally other. understand that, but there's repercussions, yeah. right? 
That's true. Yeah, right. you reap what you sow. So exactly, and yeah. he was already like you said earlier. He yeah. thought she was too intense. Yeah, so he should have been scared of yeah. her. And f- why come back to that? Who I don't knows? know. Wow, that was a good story. <sighs> it's so sad. That is crazy, right? I was. I don't know. I can't. Even. God damn. I mean. Yeah wow you know that was just so crazy i can't believe the mentality and the fact that her and kit you know she's able to get kit right on board with her crazy train yeah yeah for multiple things like i'm sorry but it's like hey go deliver this letter to this man's wife that i'm sleeping with sure right there i would have been like yeah you know yeah yeah, mm." i but just she got you girl yeah yeah but i mean like I get laughing at someone's appearance is not right and not nice, but after, no, I feel bad. <laughs> I I don't feel bad after what she did. I think you know it's like she has zero remorse for killing this woman who did nothing. Right. Nothing. And it's just it's like I'm sorry that's unforgivable, and I'm sorry that you lost all your hair. But I was laughing more so that it was actually a woman. No, like I, I, I honestly I thought I, was the old guy. If you David, if you look at Ian. They actually kind of look like each other. And so I thought that it was oh. Ian at first, but then I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's Kit. Oh. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't say a lot about Ian. Yeah. Uh, All right. But um, no, I mean, it's just, it's it's so sad. And like, they were talking to her kids, to Sadie's two children. Uh-huh. And, you know, they just, you know, nothing will ever bring their mom back. So I know you said Sadie's family. So uh-huh. do the kids still talk to the dad no. or no? Nope. Yeah. Everybody's, lo- I mean, and that's, so that's, that's how s- I would be to be honest. I don't even think the two were, the two weren't even married. So okay. it was her boyfriend. And I mean, her kids were older when they started dating. They were both in their twenties. I'm sorry. You know? If you're not married, then get the fuck out of the relationship. Right. Mm. So I don't know. So, oh, so the woman that, okay, now, sorry, I just got thrown for a loop here. What? So, so this wasn't his, Ian's wife then that, that they killed. This was his no, girlfriend. No, this was his girlfriend. But to be fair, they had been dating for 15, like. Okay, his been, partner. It was his partner for all intents and purposes. His life partner. Yeah, they okay. had been together so long. Gotcha. Yeah, that's why I thought, I just yeah. assumed they were they married. Weren't, I, I mean, it never, they, they could have been married. Everything I read just Basically said they were. Basically common law married. Yeah. Okay. okay. It just said that they were, you know, partners. Okay. All right. Well, wow. Yeah. It's really good. On a side note, I want to be a process server. <laughs> I just want to dress up in funny costumes and like, you've been served. Oh and then do a little, gosh. little like moonwalk out yeah. of the yeah. room and shit. Yeah. 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 You'd be pretty good at it, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Like a ninja. (laughs) Dropping from the men's bathroom. Seriously. They're like, like, are you wearing Cullum? You've been served. You've been served. Snapchat. (laughs) Then a little, one of the little smoke bombs. Yeah. And and you're gone. Yes. Oh my God. You'd be the best at that. Thank you. Can I just be your special effects person? Yes. I'll follow you around. Smoke and mirrors. Whoa. I I got a whole thing. Like, I'll walk the corgis. Everyone wants to touch the corgis. You'd be like, John, John Davis, yeah, that's me. Hey, you've been served. He's like, oh my God, hey, didn't you go to like West High? Yeah. 
Yeah, graduated 20... Yeah. 2003. All you would have to do is be like, oh my God, my dog just served. Can you hold this for me? You've been served. Oh. Peace. I got so many ideas. I love it. I got a room full of costumes and wigs. I'm ready. Oh my God, I do too. (laughs) You would have to dress like a burlesque dancer, but I think we've got this. Can we just do this together? (laughs) Yes. It'll be our new business. Okay. There's we were going into party planning together. Now it's yeah. No, I think this is our true calling. Hold on, I I just want to point out that you both stated that you have a room full of costumes and wigs. wigs. Okay, is that weird? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Yes, yes, it is a little weird. weird. I don't think so. I think it's normal. Whatever. Is is it? Hey, (laughs) is it though? Okay, well, you are Sarah after all, so... But I'm not the Sarah in this story. Okay, Sarah, if you say so. Because I'm not British. (laughs) It sounded like he pronounced Sarah with an H. I just want to say... How dare you? I am not biblical. I'm a princess. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go into my story real quick. All right, so my myth today comes from Pocatello, Idaho, and it's about the water babies of Massacre Rocks. Ooh. Have you guys heard of this? No. I've heard of water babies, but I don't know anything about them. I've only heard of food babies until today. Yeah, I feel like water babies, the only reference I have is sunscreen. So (laughs) I don't think it's the same thing. No, 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 no. So Massacre Rock State Park is known for being a major part of Oregon Trail. But how did it get its name? Well, it got its name from the narrow passage to the area's boulder configurations. It's said that the settlers traveling through the passage feared being ambushed from Native Americans. Although it's unverified that actually any altercations ever happened there, just a side note for the main causes of death of the Oregon Trail, okay? <laughs> so between, here goes my history. So between uh, 1840 and 1860, approximately 300,000 pioneers traveled the 2,000 uh, mile trail okay mm-hmm. hoping to start new lives in oregon california idaho and montana so it's estimated that thirty thousand of these people died but the number one reason for deaths was actually wagon accidents oh my gosh yes then drowning okay gunshots and what i mean by that is these pioneers did fear actual attacks from native americans right so they always had their guns loaded and if you're traveling with a loaded firearm, right, yeah. without any safety locks, it's bouncing oh, around in your wagon, and that would oh. result in, like, it accidentally discharging, and that's what was taking out people. And then, of course, there was disease that was due to food poisoning, getting a cold, and back in those days, that yeah. cold progresses. Dysentery was actually at the very, very, very bottom. But Aww. it still makes fun for a game. No. Yeah. Okay, so I digress. I apologize. Now, as the lore goes, when the Shoshone Native American tribe inhibited the area, there was a severe famine across the land, all right? Now... Did you say inhibited the area? I did. <laughs> inhabited okay. the area. Okay, Words are hard, you guys. <laughs> I also had my own drink, and I think it's catching up. Okay. Your, your murder story was a little illuminating, too illuminating, illuminating, same thing. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> I actually did spell it inhibited, <laughs> not inhabited. <laughs> so when they inhabited the area, okay. there was a severe famine across the land. 
Now, the famine was so bad for the Shoshone, uh, they realized there wasn't enough food to feed any new mouse, right? Oh, yeah. So the tribe men met, as men do, and they make all the important decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they came <laughs> and they came up with a plan, and that was to force mothers to go down to the river and drop or toss their babies into the water <gasps> as they were born. Oh, hell no. This, you see was the only option rather than having them live a life without food. So they didn't want them to be constantly hungry or starve. As the tale goes, the babies that were drowned in this river, or more so the ones that were actually tossed into the water, uh, they grew tails, fins, and gills. They never forgot the sins of their mothers or their tribe and now seek revenge. The water babies have been seen playing in the canals and rivers along the water's edge. And at night, which this would freak me the fuck out, at night you can hear them crying or laughing and even splashing around in the water. As this is their way to lure their victims near and into the water. Mm -hmm. Now, those who are in the water have actually heard knocks from under the boat. And then it starts rocking, right? Then there's been water movement. So if you like peek over the boat, there's water movement going around the boat and air bubbles. (gasps) And then you can hear kind of like the gurgling sound of laughter. Oh my God. I have chills. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Hard no. Hard no. And this is only like three hours from here. Pocatello's not very far from Salt Lake. Yeah. So these sightings have been reported at both Massacre Rocks and at the Fort Hall Bottoms. However, the Fort Hall Bottoms is off limit to non-tribal members and trespassers will be arrested. So sorry, people. No legend tripping there. Now, of course, it is a myth, meaning there are other variations to the tale. The Native American ones is the most popular one because there was a huge settlement and still, you know, a lot of Native Americans up there. But there's also another version that says it was the pioneers, but still the same story of famine. And in the end, we still have little water babies tormenting the living. Wow. Damn, that's creepy. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Damn. So. I I love the story. I'm just. I'm never going into another river in Idaho. Water babies. There was a little blurb I came across that apparently there's some water babies uh, that haunt Utah Lake. Ooh, that's really close to me. Yeah. Yeah. Although they were a little different. They they were described more as like tricksters, like, uh, like little like water gnomes, imps. dwarfs, imps kind of yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't due to the terrible and tragicness right. of um, a baby actually drowning. These are just actual yeah. like little mythological oh creatures or something. Okay. Dang. That's, that's awesome. That's intense. Yeah. yeah. Short story, but super creepy. Yeah. yeah. Another reason not to go into the water. The knocking <laughs> on the boat. Oh. Uh, uh, no. Nope. I'd be like, hello. With somebody knocked on my boat. Uh-uh. <laughs> and then you see, like, it starts to rock, and then, like, something mm. swimming, circling your boat. Oh, gosh. And then ominous music just starts playing right. in thin air. And you're like, and... where is that coming from? Right. Mm. Oh. No. No, no, no. <laughs> I also realize no. I talk with my hands a lot when you, I'm telling you stories. Yeah, you were totally talking with your hands. You were swimming with your hands. It was it's good. like doing the canals and the river. Oh. <laughs> 
I wish you guys could see it. It's kind of great. Yeah. It reminds me of like in high school, I learned how to do sign language for the Billy Joel song and in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking in my sleep. I used to do sign language. I was an interpreter for a hot minute. I, I was never that good, but interpreter. Interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I am yes. totally Sarah right now. Yes. <laughs> Sarah just pulled an Eric. Oh, that's amazing. We've all switched roles. No. <laughs> I know. I said it wrong. Interpreters. That's amazing. That's what you call interpreters in Idaho. <laughs> Are interpretators. Hashtag truth. I was sticking with the Idaho theme for our Idahoan friends. Oh my gosh! Okay, the the West. I feel like we should just move right along. I feel like we should just say technical difficulties and not air this. Yeah, I love it. And it's done. That's amazing. Okay, next time I will not make us a drink that has like five different. Oozes. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of hooch in there. Yeah. All Plus, right. we haven't eaten dinner. Right. Well, there is that as well. All right. We shouldn't. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, edit for us. Edit it off. So, I have a mild obsession with Japan. Duh. Yeah. You? Me. Interesting. Didn't know that. It's not just one particular aspect either. I love the language, the art, the culture, the food, uh-huh. the mythology, and of uh-huh. course, the history. Mm-hmm. Now, Japan has a very long and storied history, one that very much shaped the culture that we all know today. When most people, at least Americans anyway, think about historical Japan, one of two things immediately pop in our heads ninjas. Yep. Yeah. And samurai. Yep. For sure. Now, while the ninjas, or shinobi as they're technically known, were lawless mercenaries used to carry out dirty deeds like espionage, arson, theft, and of course, murder, Hmm. the samurai were quite the opposite. The samurai lived by a very strict code centered around honor. They were fierce warriors that were so good at what they did, they managed to fight off the Mongols when they tried to invade Japan. These are the same Mongols that pretty much took over most of Asia thanks to their strong armies. So yeah, the samurai were kind of a big deal. And they were a major force in Japan for about a thousand years. Now, when you picture a samurai, usually two images come to mind. Their beautifully exquisite armor, Mm -hmm. and of course, their swords, Mm -hmm. known as katana. Mm -hmm. The katana truly is one of the most elegant weapons ever made. While medieval Europe was famous for their large, heavy broadswords that were a bit unruly to use, the katana was lightweight, well-balanced, and much sharper, which made for a far more deadly weapon. It was such a perfect weapon that American cinema is still obsessed with them, Mm -hmm. as evidenced by the countless movies in which a character still uses a katana even in modern times. Part of what made the katana so special was the craftsmanship. Japanese sword makers took great pride in their handiwork, spending countless hours, days, weeks, even months working on just one sword. A good example of this would be the fictional character of Hattori Hanzo from Kill Bill. While obviously not a real person, he is strongly based on the old traditional sword makers of Japan. The most famous of those sword makers was a man called Goro Niudu Masamune. 
Not a whole lot is known about the man other than he lived during the mid-13th century and crafted some of the greatest katana in all of history. Even with modern technology and 700 years of practice, has anyone ever been able to replicate his amazing craftsmanship? Nobody's been ever able to. So even though very little is known about him, there is a fantastic legend about him that in all likelihood is just a fantastical story passed down through the ages. So that story goes that Masamune was unrivaled in his skills by all except for one man, another swordsmith named Sengo Muramasa, or excuse me, Muramasa. While Muramasa did make incredible katanas, he was said to be somewhat of an angry and bitter man, and that these emotions were also forged into his blades. Muramasa didn't like that his work was being compared with that of Masamune, so he challenged him to a contest to see who truly made the better sword. They each took their swords and dropped them into the river, so the point was stuck in the soil, making them stick straight up. Everything that came down the path of Muramasa's sword was easily sliced in two with just the force of the current, including fish. Muramasa was quite proud of his work, especially when he looked over and noticed that Masamune's sword was only cutting leaves that were floating along the river. Just as Muramasa began to gloat about his sword being better, a traveling monk that was watching the whole thing unfold stopped by and disagreed with Muramasa. The monk claimed that Masamune was the winner because Muramasa's katana was so full of anger and hate that it was killing indiscriminately, while Masamune's katana refused to kill the innocent fish. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, these sword makers were so revered by their clientele that the weapons were often named after them. The most famous of Masamune's katana became known as the Hanjo Masamune. It's unclear who this katana was originally made for, but it found its way into the hands of a samurai named Hanjo Shigenaga in 1561. It was at this time that the weapon took its new name, adopting its new owner's first name and its creator's last name. How Shigenaga came into possession of the weapon is also an awesome story and actually true this time. He was in battle and found himself face to face with an enemy warrior that was wielding the weapon. The other warrior was able to strike Shigenaga in the head and it instantly split his helmet right in half. My God. However, Shigenaga was able to get the better of his foe and killed him. And he took the Masamune Katana as his prize. Wow. Shigenaga kept the sword for more than 30 years before selling it to the family that was ruling Japan at the time, the Toyotomi clan. When the power of the Toyotomi clan uh, family finally came crashing down, the sword became property of the new shogun of Japan, Tokugawa Ieyasu. The members of the Tokugawa family saw the sword as a treasured family heirloom and passed it down from father to son for more than 250 years. Even when the Tokugawa shogunate came to an end in 1868, the Hanjo Masamune remained in the family. The Hanjo Masamune had developed such a reputation in Japan that in 1939, it was declared a national treasure. Wow. A couple years later, a little event known as World War II happened. Mm-hmm. After the U.S. ended the war with Japan by dropping atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, When the U.S. then entered the country, they pulled a rather dick move that they don't really tell you about in history class. 
They demanded that all Japanese families must turn over all of their weapons in their possession. This, of course, also included some very old katanas that had been passed down in their families for hundreds of years. Oh, wow. They did eventually change their minds, but not before many of those swords went missing or just simply destroyed. The Tokugawa family decided to set a good example and hand over their collection, including the Hanjo Masamune when the initial ruling was declared. However, when the U.S. did end up overturning that ruling, the Hanjo Masamune was nowhere to be found. Of course. And is still missing to this day. It's believed to have come back to the United States uh, with a U.S. soldier. The only name that was ever provided was Sergeant Coldy Billmore, but no record of such a man exists. If it did survive the trip to the States, there is a small chance that it ended up in a museum somewhere, but it's most likely sitting in some family's garage tucked behind a dusty Bowflex. The biggest problem is the identification of the Hanjo Masamune. You see, back in Masamune's day, it was common practice for the swordsmith to put a marking on the katana, identifying it as one of theirs. Mm -hmm. But Masamune was apparently somewhat of a humble man and never marked any of his blades. Oh. Yeah. So the likelihood of it ever being found or identified is slim. Now, there are a few known Masamune katanas that we know of their location one of which was gifted to President Harry Truman by a Japanese family at the end of the war and is now sitting in the Truman Library in Independence, Missouri. Hmm. Another was actually just discovered a few years ago. The Shimatsu Masamune was verified by an expert in Kyoto, Japan in 2014 and is sitting in the Kyoto National Museum. I just hope that the sword did survive the journey to America and is someday identified and returned back to Japan where it belongs. Absolutely. If not, then I hope the ghost of the samurai that owned it haunt the hell out of that family. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so it's the katana being used in Walking Dead. What? Boom. Michonne's katana? Uh-huh. Mind, oh. mind blown. Boom. God. Yeah. The Hanjo Masamune. Good times. Yeah, we don't know whatever happened to that poor sword. That is cr- but you know, it, like in all likelihood, it probably is sitting in someone's basement. Like yeah. somebody's grandpa probably brought it home and nobody knows what it, you know, it's like, or oh, it's look sitting at this on a cool mantle or something. Or, oh, grandpa brought this back right. after he was in Japan. It's like right. in some teenager's room. Yeah. No, yeah. But I mean, just something like someone has something yeah. that they have no idea what it's yeah. all about yeah. or what it's Even, worth even if or, they didn't appreciate it, they could sell that thing. For, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands oh of dollars for this sword. Right. I mean, really, it's a priceless heirloom. Yeah. It's the most famous sword in Japan, you know, in Japanese oh history. Oh, my God. And it's been missing for the last, what, uh, 80 years? That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Either or someone knows damn well what they have. Or 75 and... years. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. their prized possession. Yeah, but... exactly. Precious. I don't it's know. Precious. Yeah, I would love to see what it looks like, but you can oh look God. up and see what some of the other Masamune swords look like. And so cool. to be honest, I mean, they, they look like any other katana that mm-hmm. just, you would expect. Um, but apparently the, the craftsmanship is just so special on these things wow. that it's just, it, it, it's insane. And like I said, I mean, this is in the mid, thir- you know, 1300s yeah. that he was making these things. God. And even today with all of the technology that we've learned about sword making yeah. and blah, 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 and all the machinery that we've created that can compound metals together and blah 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 they cannot duplicate the sword these swords that that he made 
He was just that good of a craftsman that, he, you know, all the folding of all the metals oh, yeah. and everything else and all the love that was going into it and the balancing wow. and everything else. You know, it was a true art form oh and, for sure yeah absolutely beautiful it's and these blades are gorgeous oh yeah real i mean i think we've all been to like some little chinatown somewhere or whatever yeah. and you see some like katana things and yeah they're like oh 30 dollars for these yeah. katanas and of course they're you know just dull ornamental yeah. katanas but when you look at a real katana yeah yeah they, it's they're almost scary how beautiful yeah. they are and deadly they are oh yeah yeah it's just they're so, so sharp and they're just so elegant yeah and... no my so my parents my stepmom is japanese oh first yeah. generation she grew up there and came over here for school mm-hmm. but they my parents when they were back in japan for one of their visits they went into one of the sword like katana places uh-huh. and you can purchase them and they have a bunch of different types that you can get, and you can actually like figure out how to build your own handle for it. And, oh, that's kind of cool. And Wrap my, it. And all my the dad's other stuff. like yeah. crazy crafty that way. Oh, okay. And so they actually purchased these blades, and they were shipped to the U.S. And then my dad built ha- like the handles for. Oh, them. That's cool. so he built the hilt while uh-huh. the so he just he was just buying the actual blade. Okay. Yeah, and but like looking at the the oh my god, it's beautiful oh yeah the metals and everything that they use it's so funny though because my stepmom won't (laughs) he's like do you want to see it and she's like not around the baby (laughs) she won't even let him bring it out if jack's it's just gonna fly out of his hands and go right for the baby you know katana's love she's like you don't know how to handle that so just (laughs) you are not a trained samurai so funny you do not know what you're doing yeah i mean it, it is beautiful though oh yeah like but no i mean just the craftsmanship i mean for God's sakes, you even look at some of like the sushi knives that come out of there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and totally. the metal is beautiful. Oh, and they just cut through the, the steak like it's yeah. butter. Or through you know? or your finger. Or, yeah, or a, shoe, a tomato. metal. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> infomercials. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, that's an infomercial. The Ginsu knife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, hot mess episode, guys. Yeah, sorry um, about that, guys. One day, Sarah and I will be able to... Be like Eric and know things and be able yeah. to <laughs> be <laughs> Art- like Eric. Okay, that's the articulate goal. Articulate words and speak them so yeah. eloquently like you do. It's like an one day. Yeah, one day, guys, but not today. <laughs> I'm not eloquent. So not on this episode or on the mini <laughs> I am no. far from being eloquent. I am not an eloquent individual, I do not believe. I'm going to do one whole episode in a British accent. You just wait In for your it. British accent that you did earlier? Uh, I, I probably could never redo that British accent. Oh, but I tr- If you're going to do a British accent, I need you to go full Hockney if you're going to do okay. the British accent. Because okay. there's no such thing really as a true <laughs> British accent just because there's so many accents oh, yeah. within England itself. I'm gonna do a brag, but I can do an amazing Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> See, there you Who go. Can't? All you have to do I is don't. try to sound as annoying as you right? possibly can. I'm roaring things by. Okay. okay. On that note, you there guys we went. Yeah. say bye. Bye, bye. guys. Bye. <laughs>